To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. The top two grossing movies so far this year are The Batman and Spider-Man. We love the idea of a superhero. Whether it is James Bond, Xena Warrior Princess, or Luke Skywalker, the idea resonates with us that we are helpless and we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. And so we need someone who is better equipped or divinely appointed or uniquely gifted to help us. As we continue this sermon series in Easter on Revelation, Today, we are introduced to the superhero of scripture, the lamb. Now to state the obvious, the lamb is not like Superman, the Black Panther, or Wonder Woman. The lamb does not fly. He is not faster than a speeding bullet. He does not leap over tall buildings in a single bound. In fact, the Greek word is in the diminutive. This is a little lamb, a lamb that is still nursing hardly the image of power that we are accustomed to seeing. And yet in this resistance literature, which we call Revelation, it is the lamb who is the main character. And this is an important point to keep in mind. Revelation is about the lamb, meaning that it is not primarily about us and therefore not about predicting our future because it is about the already accomplished, triumph of the Lamb, the superhero of Revelation. Having the Lamb at the center of our faith means that we need to come and see the difference that Christ makes, with the key word being difference. A little lamb is something that Mary had and brought to school one day, not typically a figure we look to for hope or salvation. Our natural human inclination is for confirmation bias, which is when we tend to favor information that confirms what we already thought and dismiss information that goes against our previous experience or ideas. And this means we have to put in work in our faith to see the lamb at the center and to join that song to the lamb in which countless creatures and angels sing, worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That song does not come naturally, which is why it is found in a book called Revelation. It is a truth that has to be revealed to us. Some things you can sort of pick up on your own, math, or languages are things you can work through. But there are other things that we have to receive, like what it feels like to fall in love, or really trusting that all shall be well. These are gifts that come to us from beyond us because they express truths beyond what we can rationalize, predict, or explain. And this is why here at St. Luke's we say, come and see because we have to come and be given the gift of revelation, of learning things that we can never discover on our own. Now, before getting further into the character of the lamb, 
there are a couple of things to highlight about the praise offered to the Lamb. First, it begins with worship. Worship is at the center of what we are to do and to be. With all of our lives, we give glory to God. When we gather in intentional worship, we are being formed into people who are fed by word and sacrament, by community and fellowship. The reason why worship matters so much is that everything grows out of it and is rooted in it. Worship is the soil of our faith. And Revelation tells us that it is a myriad of myriads and thousands of thousands in worship. Don't try to count that high because you'll never finish. A myriad is 10,000, so 10,000 to the 10,000th power. But it also represents the idea of an inconceivable amount. Revelation tells us that this great number is composed not only of angels, but of every creature in heaven and on the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. Which is just another way of saying that everyone everywhere is singing these praises. And if everyone everywhere is singing praises to the Lamb, then who is not singing these praises? Well, no one. If everyone is singing, then no one is not singing. And this means that Christians ought to be very careful about telling people that they will ever be separated from God or in a place called hell. The erroneous and arrogant claim that some people will be kept away from God is simply not supported by scripture because it clearly tells us here that all, which in Greek means all, will be singing these praises to the Lamb. And this is a very different way of understanding our salvation than we are accustomed to. We have been trained to think that salvation is a ticket to the great choir festival around the throne, but it is not. Salvation is not for the future, it is a gift for the present. Faith is not about rules that we have to follow so that we can get something later. Faith is about coming and seeing and knowing and enjoying the gift of salvation right now. God's abundant grace is at the gravitational center of our faith. Everything orbits around this gratuitous and inexhaustible love. But if we pull this abundant grace out of the center of our faith, well, it would be as if the sun just vanished from our solar system. Sadly, though, this is what happens in some versions of Christianity. Salvation becomes a carrot or a stick instead of simply being the gift that it is. And another thing to point out about this praise is that it is sung. Enough cannot be said about the importance of music and singing. We had a candidate here this past week for our director of music ministry position. And in talking about the spirituality of music, I said that music has taken me into the very throne room of God. And it's not only music that can do this. Sometimes paintings can do it as well. The new icons, these that are we are dedicating today and the others for generations will help people at St. Luke's to come and catch glimpses of the beauty of heaven. Music though is like a fast lane to heaven because when we sing praises to God, we do so not alone, not even as a congregation, but as a part of the chorus of myriads of myriads. 
For those of you who sing in the choir and play instruments, you are prophets, messengers from God, who help us to come and see the beauty and love of God. And we thank you for your commitment and your faithfulness in using these gifts that God has given you. And even if you are not the, music, the most musically inclined person out there, the more you set yourself up to receive the gift of God's beauty through music, the more richly God will be able to feed you through it. So what I am saying is that even if you cannot read the notes, when there's a hymn being sung, pull out the hymnal and join in. Because we are not singing these songs as if we were at karaoke night. No, we are gathering around the throne of the Lamb to offer praise. And that's not a time to keep our mouths closed. You might also prioritize getting to church early enough to sit and listen to the prelude and prepare yourself for worship. And after the dismissal, you can also just sit down and take a few minutes to rest in God's beauty. Our lives are just so busy. We rush from one thing to the next. But taking just a couple of minutes and say, these minutes belong to God, and I am going to sit and listen and be, well, that is different. Part of the difference that Christ makes. Now, also, if you choose not to stay for the closing voluntary, there is no shame or judgment. This is a place of abundant grace. It is not a test later in the liturgy. But if you've never stayed for the voluntary, give it a try sometime. So we've considered the fact that the myriads are singing in worship. And so now on to the superhero of Revelation who receives this praise, the Lamb. The first word of this song to the Lamb is worthy. And it might not strike us as such, but that's what we might call a fighting word. Worthy means worthy of allegiance, worthy of attention, worthy of worship. To those who received Revelation as a letter written to them, it was very clear who they were expected to call worthy. The emperor and the emperor alone. To say that anyone else was worthy is unpatriotic. It is to commit treason. It is to live differently. Now, sometimes people prefer that faith would have nothing to do with politics. But for that to work, we have to get rid of the Bible, which is a bit much, I think. There is no way to read this song in an unpolitical way, because our praise to the Lamb disrupts everything else that we might call worthy. Our awards, our account balances, our physique, our talents, our intellect, the people we admire, our allegiance to parties, teams, clubs, and nations. These are all relegated to second-tier matters. And I am not saying that any of those things are necessarily bad or wrong. It's just they cannot be at the center of our lives. We cannot give them worthiness because the Lamb reorders everything. And the reason why Revelation says that this little Lamb is worthy of this is because he's been slaughtered. And again, this is where our image of the superhero is subverted by God's transformative love. The lamb does not burst onto the scene and vanquish enemies or slay the evildoers. Rather, the lamb is the one who is slain. We pray all the time that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. 
And Revelation shows us when that kingdom comes, leading the procession is a slaughtered lamb. Simply put, these are not our values. Our society does not reward the humble, the meek, the compassionate, or the generous. What gets us to the top is cunning, strength, shrewdness, thinking of ourselves first. Now, we can pretend that's not true, but it's reality. We live in a culture of narcissism and violence, and even if we do our best not to give in to that, that's the water we swim in. And this is why faith and following the Lamb are so hard. It goes against all of the lessons that we have been taught by the economy, by the culture of merit, by our habit of always keeping score. It is so much easier to just go with the flow of culture because a bloodied lamb sitting on the throne is embarrassing, unsettling, and disorienting. And to sing that that lamb is worthy is challenging and countercultural. This slaughtered lamb at the center of our faith is what makes Christianity unique, but also paradoxically true and beautiful. This mystery is why for 2,000 years, people have given their lives and their livelihood to following Jesus Christ. The Lamb's power is in that though he has been slaughtered, he is not passive. Jesus is not a victim. He voluntarily gives up his life because of a love that defies all explanations. In his steadfastness, Jesus exhibits a hope and a trust that are far stronger than any act of violence. And while the Lamb is the central figure in Revelation, there are a few places where he is described as a lion. Now, a lion, that's the sort of superhero we can get behind. Strong, ferocious, fearsome. But as one theologian has put it, the slaughtered Lamb is how the lion shows strength in this world. In other words, the lamb's strength comes not from imposing his will on others, as rulers and tyrants do, but rather through an unwavering trust in God and a commitment to God's way of love. The lamb is every bit as strong as the lion, but shows forth that power with a love that absorbs the worst and gives us the best. Because Jesus the Lamb has chosen steadfast faith to God, we see vulnerability without victimization. Nothing happens to this Lamb that he does not allow or even invite. Jesus does not die innocently. We might say that he earned his slaughter. In the same way that Perpetua, Martin Luther King, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer earned their martyrdom by an unwavering commitment to God in the face of the rulers of the world. One commentator on Revelation wants us to read slaughtered lamb, not as a noun, but as a verb. In Jesus, God slaughtered lambs, sin and death. And this author shortens this to slams, S-L-A-M-B-S. Jesus slams all that stands between us and God. His worthiness is given to us. The ways of the tyrants are exposed as weak 
Other rulers are seen as mere idols. The effects of evil are overcome by his limitless and gracious mercy. He shows us that love really is the way. And the fact that he has been slaughtered, and yet he is the one sitting on that throne, it gives us every reason to know and trust and hope that all things shall be well. If we dare to follow this lamb and sing that he is worthy of all power, glory, honor, and might, we have to root ourselves in worship so that we can retrain ourselves and unlearn all of those assumptions that society has given us. In worshiping as a beloved community, we gain the courage and trust to know that we proclaim this worthiness, not by ourselves, but with myriads of brothers and sisters. And as we strive and aspire to lead lives that are lamb-like, lives about witnessing to the power and the strength that come from walking in the way of love, no matter what, comes at us. A prayer that many people find helpful is, O Lamb of God, grant us your peace. Take that with you today. Try it on this week. And know the love of the Lamb at the center of all things, who was slain for us and for our salvation. O Lamb of God, grant us your peace. Amen.